going? Hey guys, this is Doug. Good morning all. It is March 25th, Friday. We're here in Omaha, Nebraska. I'm looking forward to an interesting episode. I've got my guest here, Jeff Armstrong. He is the he is the multiple hat wearer at uh, Hastings HVAC, yes. and we will get into that. You have multiple hats, but you just drove in from Hastings. Yep. So those of you who know Nebraska will realize that's a two-and-a-half-hour drive to be here by 9. So you had to get up early and get started, man. I appreciate it. Yep. Thank you very much. Um, Yeah, we're getting a really interesting conversation today. I've been looking forward to it. Um, Two notes, two things I want to mention before we get started. Today is National Gratitude Day. Um, Actually, I just made that up, but there's another (laughs) client calling. Sorry. Probably a finger on the floor somewhere that needs to be located. Um, National Gratitude Day. I just want to say thank you to all of our sponsors. Look, these guys and gals know how much I appreciate them, but I can't say it enough, and so I'm going to say it again. Uh, CCS Group, Custom Concrete Specialist and Cheyenne Wolford. My buddy John Falowich, Falowich Construction Services. Jim Cover and all the consultants down at the Nebraska Department of Labor on-site consultation group. Uh, who does that leave? Building Omaha. This is a collaboration between the Nebraska Electrical Contractors Association and the IBEW. And our latest sponsor, our newest sponsor, WorkSafe Consulting, and my friend Danny Arroyo. Um, she is going to get a formal introduction here in the very near future, and you can hear her story and hear about her business. But these folks are incredibly generous. I just tapped the table. Did you notice seen that? that? I've seen Holy that. shit, what has happened? So... <laughs> Um, yes, thank you to all of these generous, incredibly generous sponsors. Thank you for listening, and thank you to Jeff and all of the folks who have volunteered their time to come and be on the show and share information, share experiences, just share things you've learned over the years. Um, you've been doing this a long time, and you have a, we've, we've talked briefly. You have some hilarious stories, man, so I'm looking forward <laughs> to getting into that. The one last thing I am going to mention, just an observation. I woke up this morning. I tend to get up first thing in the morning and check my phone, and I know that's not a great practice. Most people tell you if you're dealing with stress or anxiety to not pick the phone up first thing in the morning, but as a safety consultant, I have to pick the phone up first thing in the morning and see what's happened overnight. And I had two texts, Um, my buddy Mick, you know, my long-term friend Mick Johnston and Aaron Cerrone, our leadership pal, had both texted me of the passing of Louis Simmons, who was the... uh, the founder and owner of Westside Barbell. I had the opportunity to train at Westside for a few years back in the 80s. It was an interesting chapter in my life, to say the least, but, you know, to everyone associated with Louie and to associated with Westside Barbell, uh, my sincere condolences. Um, yeah, interesting. So, Jeff, thanks for coming, man. I appreciate you driving down so early in the morning and... We've been laughing for about the last half hour. Um, I'm really excited. You, we actually hooked up on LinkedIn, which sounds kind of creepy. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I hate to even say that, but you had posted something that I found very interesting about complacency and uh, something that you've been addressing in your company. And uh, I would love to talk about that. You'd also mentioned something about labor challenges, labor shortages, the hiring challenges. I know it's everywhere, everywhere. It is everywhere that I work, certainly. So I'm just going to shut up now. I'm going to turn it over to you. Give us a little bit about the backstory, you know, how you got into this, um, a little bit about your experience with OSHA, which I found hilarious. And then let's talk (laughs) about complacency. Yeah, absolutely. You know, it, it was, uh, 99, 1999, uh, Got bought out a company I was working for. We uh, we just got purchased, and uh, so it was a new company. Uh, a lot of changes, of course, with a merger like that. And um, they uh, at the time I was a supervisor for a department. Been there for about nine years, and uh, they had a posting up for a safety coordinator position. No idea it, safety didn't exist in this plant at mm-hmm. all. And uh, this is out in Hastings. Yes. Yep. Okay. Back in '99 and. Uh, I was thinking, man, this, this looks like fun. Yeah. And, uh, so I put my name on the list, interviewed and everything else and, uh, and got the job and, uh, it was a challenge. It was fun. You know, like we were talking, I, uh, I started, I was, I was thinking about this on the way here. Very first program I ever did ever presented in front of a group, 
uh, was the Hearing Conservation Program. And I remember writing that. And a lot of what we were writing was based on Calosha because we had other facilities out on the West Coast. And uh, so, so we had nothing really to go by. I mean, I was, I was going to, I went through uh, posh training and, and uh, all, those, all those classes and uh, just trying to grab everything I could to take back. Mm-hmm. Reading books, you know. The, this was the 90s. Yes, the 90s. late 90s and right west. into 2000. And um, I, uh, I remember doing that program and the resistance in that program. Um, you know, we'd been, I'd been there for, oh gosh, probably 10, 11 years. You know, I started on production and I was a supervisor. And uh, all these guys I worked with, now I'm telling them, hey, we got to wear hearing protection. And man, and they were vocal. And mm-hmm. they're like, no, we're not, we're not. And uh, <laughs> right. so, so there were some techniques that I had to use that I had to try. Uh, I didn't know if they were going to work. And, uh, you know, and it was trying to real, put real life situations in front of them and examples to show them this is why we need to do it. Don't just do it because we're telling you this is why we need to do it. You know, the, the headaches and the neck aches. And, you know, I, after my shift, I get in my car, I got to turn the radio up. I go home, got to turn the TV up. I wake up in the morning and everything's loud and I got to turn it down. It's like, man, everything's closing up. That's why we got to wear the, mm-hmm. the uh, hearing protection. And that kind of got everything, everything rolling. But, you know, I was, in the, I was in, the, in the position for about, about eight months. And uh, I had, uh, we had characters, you know, we had jokesters. Mm-hmm. And uh, so uh, my boss and a few other department managers decided to uh, tell me that OSHA was on site. Mm-hmm. Oh, and yeah. that OSHA's running around thing. the lot, oh, yes, yeah. and everything. And I'm thinking... They can't be on, they can't just wander around. You know, they got to come in and report right. and do a, you know, a formal introduction. So I'm running all over the facilities. We had two, loc- you know, two different divisions and big lots and everything else. And, I mean, they just had me everywhere. And uh, I'm looking for this guy. I think it probably went off for about an hour, hour and a half. That, right. They're not supposed to be out on site no. without having done their opening conference. Exactly. And, and so <laughs> I'm all over the place, man. I'm covering Sneaky four bastard. blocks, yes. And I finally get in, man, I, I'm, I'm hot, you know, I'm mad. And my boss comes down he's finally like, Hey, they're not here. We were just playing with you, you know, oh, I'm geez. like, Oh, okay. <laughs> so I go back to my office, get to work. Well, it's probably about, it's probably about a month later and just got done doing lockout tag out training. Boss comes into my office. He goes, Hey, OSHA's here. Need to come to the conference room. And I'm like, yeah, whatever. <laughs> and uh, about five minutes later, he comes back in. He's like, hey, uh, OSHA's here. Get in the conference room. And I'm like, I don't have time. And right. I got all these other meetings. I got to go over here. I got to do this. And uh, so he's like, now. <laughs> right. And so I grab my stuff, and I'm, you know, I'm mad. And uh, I go there around the corner, and here's this six-foot-four guy standing there. And uh, I go walking up to him, just not happy. And he's like, hey, uh, my name is Matt Thurlby. I'm with OSHA. And I said, you got a business card? And he goes, Jeff. He goes, I'm, I don't. And I go, you know what? I don't have time for this. I turn around and go back to my office. I'm just like, man, when are, you, when are you guys going to give up? You know? Uh, and enough. my boss comes in there again and, you know, had some choice words. But he's like, get in that conference get your ass now. Oh, yeah, man. So I get in there and Matt's like, I am sorry. He goes, I'm literally out. But he pulls out his badge. Yeah. And at that time, I'm just, I, if I couldn't get underneath the table <laughs> quick enough, man, I'm like, you got to be kidding that me. That is such a good story. And it was funny, you know, because there was, it was jokes. And I mean, even in our uh, closing conference, you know, my boss explained to him, here's what happened. Here's why. And he's like, now nah, I got it. He goes, man, you came around that corner. You didn't look very happy. And he <laughs> right. goes, I thought, oh, here we go. We were going. Like, yeah. And I'm like, yeah, I wasn't. And I got <laughs> 15,000 things to do. And I thought we were playing this game again. And so good, but it let it, you know, it led to a great relationship. I talked to him a lot, you know, and that was bad. Matt has a good sense of humor. Yes. Thank thank goodness. Thank goodness. Exactly. uh, Yeah, we did. You know, that was when the OSHA partnership agreement was going on. And uh, so we did a lot of work on that. So you were in like plastic. Yes. You were making PVC extrusion. Okay. Because we had a big focus on that for a while. Oh yeah. Yep. And that's which gets people in the door. Yes. Yep. Um, But it turned out great. You know, in the first few years, it was it was tough. I mean, 
Um, but once we got the programs going and really started to kind of figure out, <clears throat> I did, you know, uh, figure out the technique to use. Um, you know, it's like a, I've, I've used this uh, terminology before. We got to sell it. You know, you got to sell mm-hmm. it to your team. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, you can go out there and tell them, hey, I demand this and you got to do it this way, period. You're not going to get that involvement. And uh, a lot of those cases, that can lead to that complacency mm-hmm. uh, because you're, you're trying to create robotic action mm-hmm. just because you say so. Mm-hmm. And that's where complacency comes in. And on the other side, it comes in when you even try to get them, you know, get them onto a, uh, a brother's keeper philosophy, mm-hmm. you mm-hmm. know, and really thinking about what I'm doing and what you're doing and watching out for you and everything else. And that's, that's a challenge, and were, it's. Were you able to make headway in that? I mean, did yes. you see progress in that? You know, we we did because I love that philosophy. Yes, but to get someone to be concerned about their coworker is it's, challenging. It's tough because they, you know, they may not like the person. Yeah, and you know, so it's the the pitch has always been whether you like them or not. Are you prepared to see what could happen if they stick their arm in a That's in a great. machine? You know, you don't like them, but do you want to pick up their arm? Or, you know, here's here's the here's the backside to a fatality or a dismemberment or whatever. Are you prepared? Mm-hmm. You know, whether you like them or not, you really want to see that yeah. person go through that. And I've told people, I said, if you do, if it doesn't bother you, we need to have a discussion on the side right. because there's something wrong. Yeah. Um, nobody uh, wants to do that. And even through orientation, you know, over the years, I've made it a point to ask questions or even get those new employees involved because that allows them to open up in those orientations. It's amazing the experiences that people have had, but they never really think about. It. It's almost like they put it, on, you know, away. Mm-hmm. Is yeah, I seen so and so, you know, lose a finger or smash a finger or whatever, and. I don't want them to be scared of those things, but I want them to remember those mm-hmm. situations um, because that's that's how they're going to recognize if they're becoming complacent. Yeah. They're not going to fix it. I yeah. mean, we all we all suffer. There's no mm-hmm. there's no cure. It's recognizing. And so, so you left that company. Now you you moved. Yeah, to I left that Hastings company. HVAC. I went to. I was at a couple other companies mm-hmm. as plant manager, okay. uh, things like that. But uh, since '99, I have uh, directly been involved with Safe. with safety, whether mm-hmm. as general manager, plant manager positions. Um, uh, you know, coming over to HVAC, uh, knowing a lot of people that that are there. Um, you know, vice president and that great, great, great people. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, over the years, I've learned that I'd rather, I want to do it, what excites me, you know, what's fun. And of course, safety to me is, is fun. You're, you're trying to change people's mindset. Mm-hmm. And thank you for saying that. Yes. And, you know, the biggest challenge it's it's, it used to be up until this point, up until the COVID time, um, it was the new people that weren't quite as challenging as those that have been doing the job for 20 years because they're the ones that the complacency bug is just mm-hmm. is crazy. I remember, <clears throat> I remember a story uh, Matt told me one time, and it was a company here in Omaha, and he said, I went in and did an inspection. It was a machine shop, and they had shears and everything. And he said uh, there was a gentleman, the owner, and he's, gosh, he was he – this was, you know, years ago. He's like, Jeff, I think he's probably in his 80s. And they had no guards on the shears at all. And he'd asked a question why I was there. He goes, you know, we don't have a problem. Nobody, nobody's been hurt. Why are you here? And he said, well, it's not really because, any, you know, somebody's been hurt. It's the risk right. that, that you, you have that, those exposures. Yeah. And... It was some time later, the, the old, the gentleman, the owner reached inside and he bumped the uh, button and uh, he had, had an injury. Okay. And uh, I've, I've always remembered that story because it fits to even today's, our environment today where people that have been doing the same job over and over and over, that's, man, that's, the, that's where the complacency sits. You know, it's like the, the person that drives, that commutes. Hastings, Grand Island, yeah. you know, like we were talking, you driving, you know, a lot of driving complacencies in our car, you yeah. know, it's in our home. 
and, you know, developing our programs continuously, not just creating and writing a program and developing a PowerPoint and then say, hey, we're done. It's a living document. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I'm constantly working and adding and changing things. You know, I tell, tell employees, I'm like, the orientation that you guys just went through, it's going to change in a week. It's going to change in a month. Yeah. The next guy is going to come in and see something completely different. Because if I don't keep refreshing that, I get complacent. Mm-hmm. And we no, get comfortable. And, you know, like I said, you know, the, the, the team back there at, at HVAC, man, we're, it, it's awesome. I mean, we've made so much progress. And uh, they've made just leaps and bounds. Um, it's the fear now of we're going to get comfortable. Yeah. And that's that's the drive. That's yeah. the motivation is, okay, what's next? You know, anticipating wow. and trying to predict. And, you know, you think about it, again, away from work, you know, incorporating uh, off-the-job safety. Uh, I want people to think about things even when they're away. Mm-hmm. You know, mowing their yard, hearing protection or whatever. Mm-hmm. You know, and I know I don't, you know, myself, I don't wear earplugs when I'm mowing or you know, things like that, but it's, it's there. It's, Mm -hmm. I'm thinking about it. It's Um, in your mind. Yes. And that's all, that's all we can do. You you just got to keep things out in front of them. That is, you know, going to be a trigger. I love that. Well, you know, life is just a series of risk assessments. Mm -hmm. Everything that we do all day long, whether it's at work or home is a risk assessment. You know, do I pull my car out now? Do I mow the grass? I mean, all of those things, how do I do those things? And so, you know, I, I've been speaking to a lot of companies that are getting ready for their season to start. So they wanted to do some, have some safety conversation before the onset of their season. Maybe they're an outdoor company, paving, landscaping, whatever. So I've done a few presentations to groups, and I'm talking about just like these little incremental changes. You know, I mean, I'm not sure that we can revolutionize our safety programs overnight, but if we can make incremental changes individually, because when you do that risk assessment and you, and you think, eh, hell with it, I'm busy, and you walk by that unsafe condition, or you see somebody doing something unsafely and you don't say anything, you've obviously given consent to that, right? I mean, yep. silence gives consent, according to Plato and my son, or mm-hmm. my son said Plato said that or whatever. Yeah. But, I mean, if we can just improve a little bit, mm-hmm. you know, stop and pick that cord up or stop and say something. Hey, man, you know, go grab a pair of safety glasses or just incremental improvements, I think that we can start to chip away at some of those complacency issues, perhaps. I mean, that brother's keeper thing. Yes. I think it has value. Well, and thinking about your, your, the operational side, um, you know, like what we were talking about, I love safety only uh, primarily because of the uh, positions that I've been in, the people I've worked for have allowed me to venture out into other areas of our operation that focusing on complacency, learning other aspects of the job, you know, the, the safety is more of a savings. There's no revenue generated mm-hmm. in our position, but it's, right. it's a savings. And, and as being as a plant manager in that, you can get complacent on that when you focus so much on the money coming right. in. We got to look at the money that we're saving as well. Absolutely. And, um, but, you know, to what you were talking about, the complacency really hit me um, in regards to really incorporating it in, in, into our programs at uh, a Sunday morning at Walmart with my wife. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll, I'll never forget it. And, of course, you go to Walmart, you're going to be a people watcher. Mm-hmm. That's um, why we go, man. I, <clears throat> I always tell my wife, I said, one of these times we're going to go in our pajama bottoms. Mm-hmm. And, and that way we blend in and, you know, we right? don't get looked exactly. at yep. so weird. Yep. And uh, we're standing over in the produce area. And my wife had gone over and she'd grabbed, there was two bags of celery left. And she'd grabbed one bag. The sprayers had just gone off. And uh, so I'm down at the end and I'm just doing my normal, are we about done? You Mm -hmm. know, this is driving me crazy. And I'm watching people. And this lady comes around the corner out of the bread aisle. She grabs that bag of celery that had somehow filled with water. You know, Mm -hmm. and of course, Mm -hmm. uh, it's perforated. Yeah, yeah. But it had filled up with water. Mm-hmm. And so she's walking, she goes by me and around the corner and I look down and there's water, a stream of water on the floor. Mm-hmm. And, and this all happened in such a smooth, 
rapid motion. Mm-hmm. This employee, Walmart employee, goes walking by, and they look down, they see the water, and they step over it, just as these two little ladies are coming around the little aisle there that has cupcakes on it and everything. Oh, geez. And this one, just before I could even move, this lady goes, oh, watch out, there's water on the floor. And so I I seen that, and I'm like, man, that's what we do at work. That's exactly what we do at work, because that employee was probably asked or instructed, hey, go get this, do a price check on this loaf of bread. And they're, they avoided that hazard. They, mm-hmm. they saw they it. seen it because right. she stepped over it, but they didn't say anything to anybody around them. And I'm thinking, man, that's what, that's what goes on at work. Mm-hmm. You know, we see it. The hardest part is addressing it and, and saying something. And, you know, there was no looking out for the person behind them or anything. And so I it just, you know, it was a Sunday morning, and my mind's already going, how of can course. I do this? And at that time, I was working at uh, DuPont, which, you know, were like the founding fathers yeah, of safety. And I exactly absolutely it was like I loved it. Mm-hmm. It was it was a blast working for them. And I remember coming in that next week and I'm telling my boss about it. And he grew up on a farm and everything. And he's kind of rolling his eyes at me. And I'm like, just trust me. And I'm putting this program together and everything. And uh after we did the presentation, he came up and he's like, I got to tell you this story. He goes, it, it clicked. He goes, uh, my dad and I are standing out by an irrigation motor one day on the farm. We're talking to the farmer, you know, from across the road. And we're all standing there talking. And he goes, I looked over and the irrigation motor's running and I noticed the belt flapping. Well, as a car guy, if you hear a belt slap, first thing we do is we grab the belt see how loose it is. Mm-hmm. And he goes, Jeff, <clears throat> he goes, I remember I reached to grab that belt while it's running. And just as before my hand got in there, I pulled it back on. What am I doing? I go, there's your complacency. Mm-hmm. You mm-hmm. were comfortable around that. I go, you put somebody that hasn't, has never been around that. There's a exposed fan. You know, this irrigation motor is running. They'd be standing there, especially if they have a safety background, they're going to look at that going, yeah, there's a lot of mm-hmm. open hazards, mm-hmm. a lot of pinch points, you know, and you've been around it, so you're comfortable. And so over the years, you think about that, guys running presses and shears and all those driving forklifts, um, driving cars, as, uh, you know, for a living, yeah. those kind of things, and even being at home and the things that they're doing at home and everything, you get comfortable in what you're doing, you know, uh, Climbing into a tree stand, mm-hmm. you know those kind of things. You, if you're not thinking, that's I know. that's when it gets you. And uh, you you covered so much territory in that man. There was so many things that you said that um, just. And one of the problems that I have is uh, as I'm listening to you speak, I'm thinking I want to talk about that. I want to mention that. <laughs> you covered a lot of shit there, man. One of the things that I loved that you said moments ago was you were involved in safety as the plant manager or the operations manager of these facilities where you were employed. And that is such a critical piece. I think there is a, there has been a habit of thinking of safety as something that the safety guy does Mm -hmm. and I'll take care of my stuff. You take care of the safety. And that is such a misinterpretation of how this is supposed to work. So I appreciated that immediately. The places that I go that do the best the plant manager actually drives the safety. Mm-hmm. They might have a safety guy, but the top man in that facility or woman in that facility makes everything happen yep. <clears throat> without question. So managers need to understand that mm-hmm. they drive this. They should be as intimately familiar with this stuff as the safety person, if not more so, mm-hmm. frankly. The other thing you said that I thought was really interesting was that, you know, this example that you gave in the, in the Walmart I use an example very similar to that, man. I, I have been talking recently about when I go into the grocery store, there's that little runner mat. It's always the transition period where you're going from that, the carpet where you come into the entry onto the tile mm-hmm. or the linoleum, whatever that is. And they put that mat down there in hopes that maybe you dry your feet off or whatever when you're coming in from outside. And the mat is always flipped over. Yeah. You know, the carts roll over it, it flips it over. People kick it, it flips over. 
And I've become the guy that flips it back down flat because I can't walk past it. So I walk in, I see the mat flipped over, I kind of straighten it out, I kick it back down flat, and then I walk in when I'm coming back out at the end, it's kicked over again because mm-hmm. some somebody kicked it over. And, you know, I have an 85-year-old mother that goes to the grocery store, and I am just praying that somebody will flatten the mat before she walks in and trips and hurts herself, mm-hmm. you know? So my comment has become, are you the person that kicks the mat o- up or are you the person that flattens the mat back down? It's kind of simple, and we all see it, yep. just like the analogy that you gave of the water on the floor. You step over it, ooh, whew, that was a close one, yeah. and then keep walking. It's forgotten. And there are people behind you. You know there are people coming behind you. Mm-hmm. And so... That is such an interesting illustration, man. I really appreciate that. I had, uh, I'd shared that story. Um, it had been a few years ago and I remember, I remember talking to the group and I said, it's kind of like driving down the interstate and there's a tire on the road. I go, who, who pulls over to pull that tire off of the road? Um, you know, nobody. I said, you know, granted there's, you got your, you're preventing one hazard and creating two or three more sure. by, pulling over to the side of the road, you know, the cars behind you and those kind of things. And it, I never forgot this one either. This uh, couple weeks went by and uh, this kid come in and he goes, couldn't wait to tell you this story, Jeff. He goes, so my wife and I are heading to, heading to Hastings and I'm going over the overpass over 80 and there's a big, big chunk of tire on the road. And he goes, I look back in my mirror, not a car clear back by Bossman's. And he goes, I pulled over. My wife's like, what are you doing? And he jumps out, runs over, pulls that thing, throws it on the side of the shoulder and got back in. He goes, wait till I tell Jeff this. Cause he says, <laughs> nobody ever does that. Right, right. And he go, and he was, he was, man, he was excited to tell oh, me. He's like, so cool. Hey, he goes, and, and you know, and he leaves and I'm like, hey, okay, this, Hey, there's a win, you it's know, registered it, with it, someone. Yes. It, it, there was a breakthrough, right? It is there. a win. That's definitely a win. Yep. Good for you, man. Yep. Oh man. So this, this, um, complacency thing that we're talking about and we talked about this earlier i'm not sure there's a solution necessarily but have you developed a program to try to make inroads into this what do you do to try to address complacency it's do you have any to recognize the just to be aware of it uh, you know whether we're driving it it becomes a habit and the the driving part really came in i remember years ago i was it worked out perfect <clears throat> Because I was doing safety training uh, um, this particular morning. The day before, we had a, uh, a supervisor that called in and says, hey, I can't make it to work. Um, I hit a deer this morning. And uh, so the next morning, he's there. He had to go get a different car and everything. And uh, so I pointed him out. And I said, so when you were driving to work that morning when you hit the deer, you were taking, you were taking the Locust Road out of Grand Island. Mm-hmm. I said, uh, how are you driving? He's like, yeah, you know, I'm just the usual, just same old route. I'm just toodling along. Deer comes out of nowhere. Boom. Smacked it. I said, when you drove to work this morning in your new car, I go, what were you doing different? He goes, man, I'm scanning the road. Yeah. I said, there you go. I go, you see how we can get complacent in just every little thing we do every day. And I go, it's, you know, it kind of falls into that category of taking it for granted. You know, I know the route, nothing's ever happened before. I go, I can remember an, an injury that, that, um, that was scary. It didn't turn out to be as bad as it appeared that night for the, for the night shift. But I got a call about 1130 at night from uh, my supervisor. And he's, he's freaking out. And nothing, nothing would shake this guy and he was he was losing it on the phone he goes he goes hey I just this kid just slit his throat he goes we got him in the truck he's going to the emergency room so I get up head up there by the time I got there they had they had already stitched him up they had to go in it was not the artery it was a vessel doesn't have the volume but it has the pressure and so it appears there was there was a spray Mm -hmm. going on um, sewed it back together, stapled the neck. He's fine. So I'm sitting with this kid Jesus. a couple of days later in my office, and I'm going through the incident investigation, just kind of looking for a root cause. And uh, <clears throat> he, uh, 
it, it, the, the challenge was is figuring out what went wrong and something that we've been doing for years, and that is using banding to ban the pallets, steel oh, yeah, banding. sure. And then he made the comment. He said, you know, he goes, I know what we started doing is standing off to the side to ratchet the banding because the banding kept breaking, and when it breaks, it travels straight line. It mm-hmm. would snap back. So guys were getting hit in the, their safety glasses or their hat or cutting their shirt or whatever. And I'm, I, I remember looking at him going, so there was a situation that we could have easily prevented. You guys knew about it, but nobody. So when I met with all the, nobody said anything. And I, so when I met with everybody, they're like, God, you know, I just, cause we were at a point where we weren't having recordable injuries. Mm-hmm. We, we had, I won't say we had, you know, gone mm-hmm. over the hill or anything, but we, we had made massive amounts of progress and they're like, Oh my gosh, you know, we adjusted thinking we were taking care of it, but it was really a Band-Aid. And I said, yeah, because I got a simple solution. We're no longer going to use steel banding. So we brought in nylon, got rid of all the steel, got, you know, got pneumatic or I think they were uh, cordless uh, banders. And, uh, but I said it took that incident to address this hazard. <clears throat> and I said, there's, your, there's, there's complacency. Yeah. There, there were comfortable and then something happens, so we make a, a, just a, a slight adjustment, and they forget about it, and it, when the banding mm-hmm. broke, it hit him in the neck. No kidding. And I said, man, there's, there's our warning. Yeah. I go, that's our warning. we got to do something, but we, we can't get comfortable like that's that. That's it. Those yeah. are the things that and happen. That, and that really is what complacency <clears throat> is, is just um, comfort. Yes. Self-satisfaction. Yep. I, I know that's, what I'm doing. I've got this. I've done it a thousand times. Mm-hmm. And that is a dangerous place. It's interesting because... You know, you and I have both read that book, The Power of Habit. Mm-hmm. Charles Duhigg, you know, it's an interesting book. He talks about habits. And, and uh, Katrina Bishop actually alluded to this last time when she was on a previous episode, that habits are basically uh, kind of like a, a brain survival mechanism. I mean, your brain only has so much energy. I mean, there's only so many, you know, so much glucose or ketones or lactate, whatever your brain fuels itself with for a given day. And so we go into these these habit loops in order to preserve energy, I think, in our brain, in our decision-making process. It's just like we talked about this. When I leave my house, I get in my car, I open the garage door as I step out into the garage. I open the garage door, I walk around, my head's down, I usually throw my computer in the back seat or whatever, I get in my car, I back out without looking, put it in reverse, back out, Shut the garage door, pull out into the street, leave. I get to work, and oftentimes I'm like, how the hell did I get here? Mm -hmm. I don't even remember that trip. Did I put the garage door down? God dang, I don't remember if I put the garage door down. I mean, it it is literally a habit. And we can survive that thousands of times in a row until there's some variable introduced that isn't normally there. Mm -hmm. Like the guy that parks his car on the street across from your driveway and you yep. put it in reverse and you back out and bam, yep. I didn't even look, yeah. you know, or in the workplace, you know, I do the yep. same thing a thousand times over and over. I'm good at it. Mm-hmm. And then there's a variable introduced somehow. Somebody left a cart somewhere where it normally wouldn't go, or there's a tool sitting on a machine that normally wouldn't be there. And all of a sudden this variable that we don't control is introduced and we're not paying attention. We're in this habit loop and bam, yep. we've got an incident. And so being aware of the variables, I think, is the key component. It's, it's okay to use habits. I mean, that's how we mm-hmm. survive driving down the highway, just like I've done that a thousand times. Shit, I already passed Grand Island. I didn't even know I was through Lincoln. Exactly. You know? Exactly. I mean, it's just it's weird sometimes. Well, and a lot of things, too, you know, back, back to, your, to your question, you know, it's hard to it, – you're driving from, from Omaha to North Platte, it's hard to take a different route uh, because you, you're looking to get to point A to point B. Yeah. In the workplace, you know, as much as as we can, and, and some of the challenges that that I like to pose to to the team is find a better way, find a different way to do it. You know, let's make sure it's safe. Let's analyze everything, but find a different way and a better way. You know, incorporating uh, efficiency. Uh, challenges mm-hmm. into the workplace. You know, this is where 
this is where you, you, you change your hat from the safety guy to a continuous improvement or whatever. Challenge your team to find a better way to do the job. And, you know, I think back, again, back to the pipe plant, uh, and you were talking about this in, in one of your past episodes of uh, safety incentives. Um, and I've never really understood why I would pay you $50 to not cut your finger <laughs> right, off. And it's right, like, right. really, you, you know, cause you yeah. know what you get it, and, and is, which is why I incorporated this. And, you know, we had multiple locations and I think I was the only one at, in the beginning to do this. You, you were suspended if you didn't report a first aid or an injury or a near miss. If I found out that you didn't report it, you were suspended automatically. There was no progressive discipline, nothing. It was mm-hmm. what I was trying to drive is I can't fix what I don't know is broke. Yeah. And I, so if you tell me it's broke, we're going to fix it. And so if you cut your finger, well, what'd you cut it on? How'd you do it? And so, you know, it's putting that effort into addressing those things because you get warnings, you know, here's your pyramid thing, right? You yeah. get small cut, small cut, small cut. And then all of a sudden, Bam, it's a you laceration or you're, I'm carrying your finger out. That's a great observation. You get warnings. We yes. get warnings oftentimes. But challenging them to find a better way to do it, that throwing that incentive to in, into that bucket by going, hey, come to me with an idea that could improve the, uh, the productivity or the efficiency or, you know, we get 300 widgets – we can get 400 propose an idea how we can do that still keeping safety at the top mm-hmm. but to achieve that there's your there's your incentive yeah that's that's worth a reward and that requires focus yes you can't improve a process if you're not paying attention to it yep. or if you're just kind of going through a habit loop and so it, and, and it trains their mind to well this that. is the way i always used to do it but if i find a different way there's a, there now you're going to help avoid that that uh, you know that complacency the problem is is it takes the safety guy or the team to constantly be looking at that well you think about it you know as a plant manager you you're constantly looking for better ways to be more efficient to improve your bottom line and those kind of things throw that in mm-hmm. you know it, it's already there you're already looking for it just expand that a little bit more get into the safety realm of things and try to incorporate those together, you're going to find that they're not going to get comfortable. They're not going to be robotic in their day-to-day. Find a better way to do it. You know, how can we do this differently? Mm-hmm. Or, you know, what do you see? And then look for the hazards associated with doing something different. That's That works great. Going from here to North Platte, yeah, I could tell you get on Highway 6. Mm-hmm. You're going to go, yeah, I just went from – Five hours right, to nine right, hours, right. so yeah, it's not going to happen. Yeah, um, I do get that. So that's where it's going to. You just have to learn to recognize. It. I do it. I, you know, I was. I probably did it this morning. I really, I, you know, because of the the way the traffic was mm-hmm. and everything else, and and uh, my mind was on how much trouble am I going to be in because my wife knows I'm about three miles away from Cabela's. Oh right, she knows exactly what's going to go happen there after this. Good you know, for you, you man. know it. Good. And so I'm thinking, man, I got to come up with some good excuses to yeah. get out of this. And uh, so thinking of those excuses probably yeah. caused me to get complacent on the sure. drive here because it's just pointed pointed east. And it is, man. And, you, go. you know, the other part of this <clears> is. Habits aren't necessarily bad. They are they're kind of an energy preservation mechanism. It's okay, but I think we need to realize that if something has changed in the environment or something has changed in the equipment or procedure, that there's a possibility that this could go bad. So maybe before we drop into that habit loop, we just need to make sure things are consistent. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, look to make sure there's not a car. And I'm only using this hypothetically. I never actually slammed into the neighbor's car as far as anybody's, uh, at least to, to what I'm admitting you probably, to. You probably have neighbors going, that's where that dick oh, came God from. Oh, damn it. It was him. But none of them listen to this podcast. So. Okay. But if I look, at least, it's, and, you know, the same thing can be said about backing out over, like, your children's toys mm-hmm. or, God forbid, backing out over your child. Yep. You know, something like that. There are consequences to these behaviors at times. And so I think if you just look, it's like that 360 walk around of your vehicle before you pull away. It seems trivial or time consuming to some people, but 
if you get in the habit of doing those things, if you get in the habit of looking around your vehicle or looking down into the driveway, something Mm -hmm. before you fall into that habit, you can hopefully identify changes or, you know, exposures or something before they happen. So I I think you're right, man. And I'm not sure there is a solution because I think habits are a natural occurrence, Mm -hmm. but I think that awareness and that challenge to constantly be looking at ways to improve the process can help us maintain focus a little bit. I think that's a brilliant solution. Well, and and you look at it now, um, you know, because it's it's almost like we're in a valley now because so many businesses with labor, the way it is, Mm. they got guys, they're they're wearing different hats. And so they're learning something new. You know, it may, they may be, you may have a safety guy who's doing HR now or, you know, or the HR person's doing, um, accounts payable, you know, whatever. Mm -hmm. Um, so they're learning, they're learning something new. So it's like, okay, well now they're learning something new, but what are they missing on, on, on the other side? Mm -hmm. And so it's kind of a double edge because I'm looking at that going, man, you know, we're, we're, we're challenged and trying to get people to come in and trying to get them to, to work 40 hours. Mm-hmm. Um, and a lot of that's, you know, they've had two years of free money and, Gosh, and, uh, and all that. And uh, so now you're bringing them in. There's one challenge of getting them back in. I know we've even talked at work. I said, man, why don't we, it's almost like we have to start a, uh, a process to acclimate to the 40 hour work mm-hmm. week for some of these folks that have not worked. And maybe go 20 and then 30 and then 40 hours after, after three weeks. It's like, man, there's something. Kind of a time work yes, hardening program yeah, or something. you know, because it's uh, wow. you, back in the day, we used to joke about that, mm-hmm. and here we are. Well, we use that with heat and other issues. You yes. know, we kind of condition our employees to be working in the heat, yep. or th- we should be. Yep. That's coming up here soon. That's an interesting approach, man. But yep. you're right. To get someone to go from zero to 40 hours a week <laughs> is... Remarkably, remarkably yeah. difficult. Yes. Never thought we'd it be it, looking oh gosh, at this no. kind of situation. But, I know. Uh, and there, there are a lot of, <clears throat> so you said a couple things there too. The multitasking challenge, mm-hmm. that can be difficult for some people. Some people are just, give me a task. I'm good at one task, but when I've got multiple things going on, they all suffer. Mm-hmm. I think there's some evidence to support that. Some people love the challenge of multiple tasks and they can they can handle it. Not a problem, but some people are not really good at that. The issue that I've seen <clears throat> is this increased utilization of temps mm-hmm. and the challenges that we have from a safety perspective with temps, you know, temp services are desperate to find people that they can even use as temps to send into facilities. Companies that are resorting to temps oftentimes are really struggling to find people that can do that work. And then you've got the, ch- you know, that do I invest a lot of time and money right up front, doing orientation or providing equipment for these temps. So oftentimes companies will say, "Ah, they're only going to be here for a few days anyway. They're probably not even going to come back after lunch. So Mm -hmm. screw it. I'm not doing that. And that's a really dangerous road too, man. There's a lot about that that concerns me. Saving a couple hours that could lead to days, weeks, months, years. Yeah. Yeah. Is is that – are you guys – now your guys are probably – Train. I mean, to be doing HVAC, they're coming through a program typically, or they Not, have some no, experience, no, or are you pulling no, guys off they, the street? Yeah, when they come in, you know, and we've got uh, when when I created that uh, that orientation program, <clears throat> I incorporated um, the uh, employee development program that we created. Uh, because there's so many different aspects to what we do. It's not, I mean, we're cut, we custom build. There's no, there's no conveyor. There's no robotic, you know, it's, uh, as, um, the guys told me when I first got there that we're kind of the American chopper for heating because it's all custom built. I mean, we get, it's all commercial. We don't Mm -hmm. do any residential. So these are, these are big units, Mm -hmm. but they're custom. Yeah. They call us, our engineering department puts it together to fit they're the customer's needs, whatever they right. need, whether, you know, CFM, yeah. based on CFM, what type of heating they're wanting. And it's all custom. Wow. Everything is not, it's not a conveyor where it runs down the I line. Love that. and it's That's a, probably helpful. Same, yeah, it's the same thing over and over. It's, <clears throat> it's the tasks 
that the guys are performing. Um, some of the tasks that is why I preach the complacency because they can get comfortable with that. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it's a variety. It, it's, so they're always building something new and customized, but they're doing the yes. similar tasks similar, over and over. Yeah, that within can yeah within that repetitive. But uh, but no, we uh, we bring them in. You know the uh, as I show them in our orientation uh, towards the end is the employee development program that we've created. Uh, because there's uh, the wiring side, you know, reading blueprints, mm-hmm. uh, running machinery, uh, you know, of course, the hand tools, uh, all the way up to being a tester, because uh, every one of our units are tested mm-hmm. um, before it goes out That's to cool. the customer. And cool. uh, so going through those things with them, it's to hope to grab their attention a little bit. Because a lot of times, you know, some some folks, they're like, yeah, I really, I like blueprints. I like to read this or I like the challenge or I like wiring because I'm OCD. So I want my wiring Mm -hmm. because we are very particular in how you open up our panels and we want everything all nice. And the guys Mm -hmm. do great job with it. The OCD guys love it. Oh, yeah, man. I've got one of those at home. You know, and it's, the attempt is, you know, hey, do you want to do drafting? You know, is that something that floats your boat? Well, we're going to get you into it. Well, Train you in there. We and so you guys, do the training. Yeah. We'll you will do, bring guys in on, raw and yep. do training for it. That's really yep. cool. OTJ. So, mm-hmm. it, and it, it, you know, we, we kind of have that mindset of, you know, hey, let's, let's train them to be great employees, but treat them in the way that they never want to leave. You know, and that's kind of the, the motto is mm-hmm. we want to develop people that they could go. Mm-hmm. anywhere they want it's just but they just want to stay there we want them to stay there we got guys that have been there 45 years oh that's cool and uh so yeah and some uh, i think we have one that's still working that's 50 really 50 years. 50 year guy loves it oh he wouldn't he's and the he's, most reliable employee i mean he yeah. he's there every day and every he's day. an artist probably oh yeah he loves I mean, it oh yeah it's and it, it, he's he's very particular in how things mm-hmm. go and how he does this and how he does that and everything and uh, he's doing you know small or smaller tasks but um, but yeah he he loves it that's really cool and so yeah even even if they're a temp agency it's mm-hmm. it's worth the time mm-hmm. uh, for me to spend those hours to go through orientation uh, because that gives me that chance to you know, pick their brain and try to resurface some things that maybe they forgot about forklift safety yeah. or lockout tag out or right. those kind of things. And then, man, then I attack mm-hmm. and I'm like, all right, you know, here's why. And this is what happens. That's this good. is what you should have done or this is what they should have done. And this is what we want to do. And this is what we want you to do and to be a part of it. It's not a me being the cop. Mm-hmm. It's all of us looking out. Well, it's interesting you say that too, and you use the term to be a part of it because I think temps oftentimes feel isolated. They're not Mm -hmm. part of the team necessarily. They're not treated like part of the team. They can be somewhat shunned perhaps or whatever. They're not included. They don't have a click, Mm -hmm. you know, when they come in. And so I think that can lead to problems. So I say making a concerted effort to include them to try to determine whether or not they have aptitude or an interest in what you're doing so mm-hmm. that you can look at perhaps, I don't know if you would then take a temp and make them a full timer at mm-hmm. some person yep. or at some point. Yep. But yep. No, that, that's, that's interesting. Definitely man. a possibility. It's, it's, uh, you know, showing up, mm-hmm. you know, and it's, it, uh, you know, it goes back to the pre COVID, uh, conversations that were had. That's of, how we will define the world. Oh yeah. Forward. And I, I say that knocking on wood cause who knows what, you know, tomorrow's news is going to bring, yeah, but, uh, I know. it, uh, going back to, to that point, I remember a conversation that I was having with, uh, with, uh, my boss and it was like, you know, going into this, uh, what concerns me is companies are going to find a better way to do the job with less people mm-hmm. because these people are just, they're vanishing. They're staying home. They're scared. You know, they don't want to, they don't want to go out and touch a door handle and, and those kind of things companies are going to, they're going to find a way to survive. Mm-hmm. And, uh, much like we are, it's just because we're custom, we need, we need those good people yeah. that are going to be there and be dedicated. And yeah. it's, there's some that are going to be able to do create automation and, and, uh, emerge things together, uh, together to still finish the task. But there's a lot of them out there that they can't. And, uh, we're in that and that's, that's the challenge. This is just, it's been something I've never experienced in 
in a long you know, 20-some yeah. years of management or 30 if you look at supervisory experience. Um, I don't remember I this kind of challenge where you're just constantly scratching. And that's why I reached out to you. Chris Bryant, you know, mm-hmm. he was another one. Even when I was finishing up my OSHA outreach training, I was just I was picking his brain. You know, it's like, what? Yeah. What can we do? That's what? an interesting brain to pick, man. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. I agree. <laughs> Love Chris. Yep. Yeah, he's a good man. Yes. Uh, that's yep. true. So so what do you got going forward? I mean, anything that you have in the works from a complacency standpoint, any you know, the program? It's you know, a lot of the a lot of the stuff that we're doing now because we're seeing folks uh, moving into different departments. Uh, and and a lot of that's coming from, you know, hey, do you have an interest? You know, I have a, a document that I go out there, usually a new employee, I'll let them be out there for, you know, four five months and then I'm going to go out there with a document. Hey, what, what excites you? Mm-hmm. What do you like? Um, and I tell them my friend, Hey, if aviation is, is your thing, I can't help you. Uh, but if you like, uh, you know, operating a laser, mm-hmm. forming metal or putting things together, you know, being, seeing it from a pile of nuts and bolts and steel to a unit that they're, that's generating heat, mm-hmm. Um, now we know what excites you and, and trying to focus on things that they may want. You know, you take a guy that I don't, I hate wiring and try to force him into doing pre-wire, you know what you're going to get. They're not going to enjoy it. Mm -hmm. And, uh, I've, I think I've demonstrated over the years that I, if you, if you do what you enjoy doing, you're, you don't feel like you work. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of our attempt is, is focusing on, Hey, what do you really like? What, what, you know, just put a list together of things. And so what that does is moving them into a different area. And there's, there's your, there's your break is this guy may have been running this piece of equipment for four or five years. Now he's doing something different. And then you bring him back into that environment periodically to have him look at things, you know, Mm -hmm. writing SOPs, um, I do that, uh, standard operating procedures, and then incorporating the safety into it and trying to do that. We got another gentleman that does work instructions, and we kind of blend those together, getting people involved in that as well, because then they can identify, um, you know, something they may be missing during that, during that function. Because once it's written, I walk back and I'm like, okay. I'm going to do this job based on everything, all the details that we wrote down. And I may go step one is hit this and hit, okay, step two is hit that. And he's like, oh, wait, no, don't. Well, okay, this is wrong. This is wrong. So now we got to start all over again. It gets them thinking. And and it's amazing. And and there's to them or anybody around may appear small. To me, it's like we we just broke up. The routine mm-hmm. might be for a day or two, but at least we broke it up. Every little victory is wow. is something, and Agreed. but it requires that effort. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, having others get involved in that if they really understand what's going on behind it, it helps. It does. I, I can see it help. Yeah, help. no doubt. And I love the idea of having someone who steps away from a job for a while come back and look at it again. From through a different lens, perhaps maybe mm-hmm. they've been away from it for a few months. Now they come back and look at it. What are we missing? Yep. You know, that's a great suggestion too. And, and the fact that you even care what the guys like doing we, is really impressive. Yeah. Me. It's trying, you know, it's again, if we can get them to do something that they enjoy, that they're going to like doing, man, that's a, that's a double win. Yeah. Um, doesn't always oh, yeah. work. No, you know, it doesn't always work, but uh, you know, you're never going to hit hundred percent of everybody yeah. just, absolutely can't yeah. wait to get to work every day. I know. But, it, you know, if you look at, you know, people that write about management and leadership and things, you know, one of those things, one of those questions is always, do you have the opportunity to do something that every day that fulfills you or that you love doing or whatever, you know, I mean, that's in almost every publication I've ever read about yep. work, the workplace and most workplaces Honestly, I don't think really care if you enjoy your job or if there's something else there that you would prefer to try, at least experience. I'm not sure they do that. And I complacency. Yeah. Again, it's their 
you know, we're comfortable and we're and it's yes. and it's working. We've got widgets coming out the door, so don't tamper with it. Yep, don't fix what's that's not broke. Kind of kinda. disorganizational or institutional complacency, almost. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, it's interesting. Yep, it's incredible stuff, man. It sounds like you've made some real headway into addressing some of these things. I'd love to hear about it again at some point. I, I don't even know if we're running up on time. We're running up on time. It's almost exact. Yes. Isn't that crazy how fast that hour goes? <laughs> yes. This is complacency for me. I just like mumble and talk and listen. Yeah, it was like 10 minutes of conversation like earlier that we covered so I much. Know, man. And, yeah. It's always that way. It's fascinating stuff. And I think everyone struggles with this complacency topic. So what is your take-home message about complacency? Give me the elevator version. What should people be doing to try to address complacency? You know, I mean, real quick, something. I Do mean, something. Yeah. I mean, that's really what it is. Is there is there anything wrong? Um, leaving it alone, that's, that's your wrong. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, and it's, it's like I, like I said to you, you know, on my reaching out to, to everybody, you and Chris and everybody going, man, what is, what is everybody doing? You know, mm-hmm. that alone is, Hey, that's something, um, you know, may not get the, you know, get answers. Um, but like we were talking earlier, just talking about these things, it gets your mind generating you know the drive home it'll be as i'm focusing on where i'm going <laughs> of course you are. thinking <laughs> thinking about something different yeah. you know thinking about a different way you know like you it's like you said man i'm always thinking about it i wake up at, it doesn't turn off man oh you know, and yeah my man. wife's even made comments over the years of you know everything all right yeah i have an idea <laughs> right you know and when they they come to you whether it's you know in the in the woods or driving or Mm -hmm. when we're trying to sleep. And, you know, the takeaway is, is there's really no wrong uh, other than not doing anything. That's a great comment. And, uh, you know, something uh, is, is better than nothing and get, getting the team involved. Um, you know, asking, asking the team, um, man, you, some of these guys that you think, Oh yeah, they just cut wood or whatever, build that widget. Go and ask them. You know, I look back, you know, that comment I was making about going out there going, hey, I'm not going to reward you for not cutting your finger off, but I will if you come up with great ideas. Oh, I was, it was flooded. I got mm-hmm. to the point, I remember I was even telling my boss back in those days, I'm like, man, I'm, this might have been a mistake. You know, because <laughs> right. I'm like, I got guys out there that know how to do tattoos that are drawing 3D models of what they need on their machine and giving it to my maintenance department and my maintenance department is going, geez, we don't even have to submit this for drawings. The they drawing already have it. Yeah. And I'm like, well, they're the guys, they're the, they're the yeah. pros, man. They're working, yeah. you know, and, but now you got a guy who can do a 3d drawing, put it out there. I mean, you're going to have somebody that's going to come up with an idea and it's just <clears throat> getting those ideas to roll and not being afraid to say, Hey, I got a question. You know, we're, mm-hmm. it's like being the safety guy for 20 years. I mean, I'm sure there's things you ask. I know I ask. I'm not afraid to ask mm-hmm. a question, right. uh, you know, whether lockout tag out or whatever that I've, you know, lived and breathed uh, is a very big pet peeve of mine. Mm-hmm. There's still questions. Yeah. There's still things that we could do to make it better. And it's just, you can't end it. Right. There's your mistake. I, I think, yes, I would agree. Not doing anything is the problem with complacency mm-hmm. or with addressing complacency, just being complacent, yeah, you know, to some degree yep. and allowing it to happen. Um, I think that's good advice, man. Everybody needs to be aware that it exists in every work environment, every work environment, and it probably is helps sustain work to some degree. Mm-hmm. We just need to be aware that there is a potential cost of complacency, and so at least be aware of it. Do something. Yep. That's a good advice, yes, man. That probably sums up simple. safety in general. Yes, Just do I mean, something. It, yes. I agree. Man, it's been a pleasure. Really interesting stuff. I hope we can do this again at some point. Absolutely. And the stories about Thurlby are always welcome. Yes. So <laughs> I will probably end up having to call Thurlby and rem- remind him of this. I'm sure he'll remember. Yeah, I'm sure he will. Yeah. It was, that's cool. That was funny. That Jeff, was, thanks for cool. coming into town. Hey, thanks for Again, having me. Again, man, I, I mean, safety people are the most generous people I've ever met. Everybody's willing to share. It's not proprietary. We're all struggling with the same things. The fact that you were willing to drive two hours and come and share this 
says a lot about you as a safety professional. I appreciate it. Um, everybody have a good weekend. Um, keep the faith. Keep doing what we do. Um, it is it is uh, a noble undertaking. So talk to you next week. Later. A Huda Media Production.